0: Welcome to another episode of The Weekly Regular. My name is Asan, and I am joined uh, this week, again, by a good friend personally and a good friend of the podcast. He is a professor of ethics and various other subjects. He's just a real smart guy and uh, a good buddy of mine. Please welcome back to the podcast, Philosophy Drew. What's up, Drew?
1: Thanks for having me back, but... I was pretty sure my name was Bitcoin Drew from now on.
0: <laughs> oh, is, is it Bitcoin Drew from now on?
1: All well, that's right, how well. I've been in- introducing myself since, you know, I haven't been at school in quite a while at this gotcha. point, so, okay. you know.
0: We'll go with Bitcoin Drew. That works. And Bitcoin
1: is pumping really hard right now, so. Oh, is it? You know, I'm trying to promote it for everybody, so,
0: you, you're you know. Bi- you Bitcoin evangelizing?
1: Yeah. Oh, Do you see you my got, t-shirt? You got a Bitcoin t-shirt on today. I see that. <laughs> Did you make that yourself? Where'd you buy that? No, I got it on Amazon and it's the worst ripoff of like a Supreme shirt of all time. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not a designer, but come on, that's, that's pretty bad. That's three times the size of a a Supreme logo.
0: I feel like you should become a designer because designer Drew is a really cool name.
1: That's true. At summer camp, you know, when we went to, we went to Christian summer camp, they called Uh me Disney Drew. Why'd they call you that? Uh, because I look like a kid.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was summer camp. Didn't everyone look like a kid?
1: Yeah, but when I was 16, I looked 12, like oh. your typical Disney Channel, you know, show guy. So, oh. um, you know, I'm still trying to milk that, but I haven't quite been discovered yet. You look like um, Shia
0: LaBeouf from Even Stevens?
1: Exactly. Okay. Exactly.
0: <laughs> I get that. Boy, what a 180 his career has made. You know what I mean? The types of roles I, he's playing now it, versus
1: well the fact that he's like made something of it is pretty shocking like uh you know your your random second rate disney channel kind of guy um he's milked his career way farther than anybody would have ever guessed it's kind of like keenan you know yeah uh but keenan's actually really really funny yeah um i love everything that guy does but Mm-hmm. Anyway.
0: And I feel like Keenan's kind of doing what you would expect someone with a background like he has like to do. Like right. he, did the kid, he did the kids version. Yeah, he did right, the kids right. version
1: of SNL and now he's doing the adult version.
0: Right. Now Shia LaBeouf is like getting tattoos and playing gangsters and Mexican gangster movies and it's it's all it's all crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I, I think he's I think he's a good artist. Like he's like a like he's a very creative person. I like that. He seems
1: committed to his art, you know? yeah a little bit crazy and and that goes a long way in the art world so that's true do you think uh so I hear this thro- I wasn't going to
0: start here, but since we're here um do you think I hear people throw around all the time uh the idea of separating the artist from their art um and usually it's in response it's in like a defense of enjoying someone who oh. has who is problematic this, this, i got in a, we' gotten a
1: pretty big we got in a pretty big friend text group discussion about this mm-hmm. exact same thing i
0: love those so, big text friend group discussions
1: yeah that's that came out so clumsily but i'm sure you know <laughs> what i'm talking about it's all right
0: you're not a uh, uh, you're not public speaker drew you're uh bitcoin drew
1: bitcoin drew and bitcoin <laughs> drew hides behind a computer and you know writes code so exactly um i i'm not sure i agree mm-hmm In uh, in terms of it's okay to separate the artist and the art, right? Uh, But at the same time, I'm really critical of people that stretch it really far. Um, Meaning what? And then I'm also very interested in what their crime actually is. So the classic example is Michael Jackson, right? Uh huh. Um, So unfortunately, you know, he's not. He was never really convicted of anything, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's kind of a trial by the public and from my perspective, I think he's guilty and I think he's really Mm -hmm. guilty uh, or I think he's guilty of really, really heinous things. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Which uh, again, unfortunately he, he was never convicted of anything, which is a bummer. But at the same time, I can't separate the artist from the art there Mm -hmm. uh, because, because I think, because I also think the people that, are okay with separating the artist from the art in that situation okay Mm -hmm. with listening to his music also think he's guilty i'm not sure i think only the total fanatics don't think he's guilty right and so in that scenario and because it's such a bad crime like uh, and i'm so against like cancel culture but we Mm -hmm. should cancel him for sure we should cancel michael (laughs) jackson um but but the the discussion came up Mm -hmm. um with our friends because this and this was way too far gone for me, but so, mm-hmm. um, Daniel Radcliffe is in a you're friends a, with Daniel
0: Radcliffe,
1: yeah, dude. He was in our text That's group. Sick. Um, you, uh, you remember uh, my friend Derek?
0: I do remember that. Yeah,
1: so he used to go by Harry Potter when we were in middle school, because he so wore you, glasses. So you were
0: Disney Drew, and he was Harry Potter.
1: Yeah, we were so cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it we sounds were like the a great camp. summer camp. Yeah, exactly. No girls, but, uh, <laughs> but good nicknames. But anyway, um, so he's in a... I don't even know how movies are released these days, but he's in a, a South African movie called or a movie about South Africa called escape from Pretoria, which is Mm -hmm. uh, one of the capitals of South Africa during apartheid. Um, Mm -hmm. well currently, but the movie is placed during apartheid and uh, I recommended it to like my friends in a group text. And the response was like, Oh, we don't associate. Well, I said, I said, Harry Potter is in this movie about South Africa if you want to watch it. Mm -hmm. Um, and the response was like, Oh, you know, we don't, We don't associate with that because of um, J.K. Rowling's uh, statements on trans people. Mm, mm -hmm. And I was like, holy smokes. One that's really far gone, right? So she wrote a book that then Mm -hmm. movies came out that then he acted in, right? Right. And then regardless of what you think that J.K. Rowling said about trans people, her views on trans people are very different than molesting children, Mm -hmm. Right. So there's like a massive distance in what we're charging somebody with where she didn't do anything illegal Mm -hmm. versus like something egregiously illegal. Right. Um, Not even like running a stop sign, extremely illegal. Um, Right. And then, and then the fact that like Daniel Radcliffe has nothing to do with her other than the fact that she acted, he acted in movies that the books are based on. And so I think that the, there are people that take it to some, Crazy degree where we don't get to watch movies that Daniel Radcliffe is in because mm-hmm. J.K. Rowling has views on trans people that other people don't like.
0: Yeah, well, he- here's where I'm about to sound like a libertarian for like the only time in my life, right? <laughs> so, in the, in when it comes to art, I am extremely libertarian. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I I I I want to invoke the word liberty in in this in- instance because I feel like. Um, the question of you know, can you separate art from the artist? I think is an irrelevant question. I think I think the answer is no in my personal opinion, but I, I think ultimately it's the it's uh, an irrelevant question because I feel like whether or not you want to separate the art from the artist or not or any of that, it completely comes down to the individual in terms of whether or not you're going to enjoy their music or enjoy their art. Now, whether we should give, problematic people who have problematic ideas that are harmful to others, a platform. Um, that's a different discussion. But in terms of like whether or not someone who's done something heinous or has done something that you disagree with or whatever, whether or not you can enjoy their art, or whether or not you choose to separate their art from them or not, is completely on the individual. Um, And so like I mean, no one is free from doing anything wrong. Like we've all done wrong things. We've all done things that like we'll disagree. Not with. me. And the, yeah, well, yeah, clearly. Clearly, <laughs> I'll just speak for myself. Uh, no, but but um, you know, I think everyone needs to decide for themselves whether or not what someone's real life actions um, how that affects the way you enjoy that person's art. You know what I mean? Um, and, and no one has to agree on that. That's I think that's the beauty of art. You know. Um,
1: yeah and i think so I think you uh that those are interesting points that made me i guess maybe clarify my opinion i hadn 't mm-hmm. thought about it this way Go ahead. um but i think maybe maybe I just have a particular vendetta against michael jackson but the <laughs> the uh the the difference is the fact that um people uh people forgive him or are mm-hmm. okay with him having done those things because he matters, which is a different question than what you said. And maybe I was actually right. just thinking about it wrong. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think, yeah. I think people are willing to not want him to be investigated or not want him to be prosecuted or whatever, yeah, because he's th- such a good artist, which is a totally different question. And I think yeah, that maybe I do I'm clouded there.
0: Totally. I do think that's a different argument. The idea of like, um, whether someone's co- like positive contributions to society outweigh their negative ones i think yeah. that's like a that's like a whole different conversation and in that regard um i'm i'm not sold on that argument uh, but but at the same time like hey well let's
1: go there let's go there with like we can. this is we a good can, one sure. let's, let's go there with like the 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 monuments the statues the slave traders like that's that's a That's a full-blown segue into what's actually been happening in the world.
0: Let's get into that for sure. Uh, So, what is? uh, It's funny. I was going to write that down as a topic, but I wasn't sure if we talked about it already. Please, (laughs) what is your what is your um, what is your uh, your your take on all of this? I know that there's a lot of statues that that uh, people find problematic or outright um celebratory of people that have done heinous um inhuman often inhumane things uh like christopher columbus uh you know thomas jefferson people who endorse slavery and, and all of that mm-hmm. um what do you feel about um let me ask you two questions first what is your uh interpretation of the purpose of statues and what they mean and why they exist and then the second question is do you think we should have statues of people who have done morally reprehensible things
1: yeah so the the first question is like the question the important question that is so glossed over just Mm -hmm. massively is the fact that um you know if you look at the history of any of these we'll just we'll just look at like the confederacy Mm -hmm. um we won't we won't look at um you know a a wider lens there but if you just look at the confederacy these statues were erected because these are heroes to these Mm -hmm. people right um and so the big defense that people like to push is this idea that like oh you know we're learning from these bad people or that this is Mm -hmm. you know his this is our history and blah 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 um which Mm -hmm. is a total lie and a cop out and completely untrue the statues were put there because um you know they they're taking pride in the lost cause um right the 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 way that i approach the the Confederacy specifically which I think is a different question than a lot of others mm-hmm. um, like Thomas Jefferson versus you know General Lee I think are very different questions um, mm-hmm. because in in the context of General Lee the cause was slavery right. as opposed to um, it wasn't like Thomas Jefferson was fighting for slavery uh, right. maybe he was a proud slave owner maybe he had slaves but these are These are other things that he did it wasn't his it wasn't his standpoint it's not what a thomas jefferson statue represents Mm -hmm. um now those are thoughts that might come to mind but it's completely different than something for the confederacy Mm -hmm. um and i think i so in general i think i'm good in a teaching perspective where i don't necessarily try to push my students towards my point of view because that mm-hmm. kills a philosophy class the whole point is discussion <laughs> um yep. so so I try to give everybody's you, you know I try to present all the viewpoints but we've had discussions on the confederate uh the confederate statues and uh the way I approach it is not even from a racist not a not a slavery perspective and what I say is like let's forget that they are fighting for slavery let's forget that this is this has racial connotations and let's remember the fact that like these are just traitors like we don't have to even go to like the real controversial issues americans are going to stand up and might be like okay the bloodiest conflict in american history was caused by these guys who Mm -hmm. were the ultimate traitors right it's it's a confederate flag is not so dissimilar from a nazi flag um and we can i think the other issues are important but i've pretty much never had a student be like nah dude like it, it was a good cause or something. Like, everybody's on board of, with the idea that, like, these were traitors, unless you're really extreme. Um, so, anyway, that that was the first... What was the second question you said? Second question is,
0: should we have statues made uh, of people with who have committed to or contributed to morally reprehensible things?
1: Um, well, so, going forward... Is maybe different than looking backward. Mm-hmm. Um, I would, I would think so. Maybe, maybe we guess, shouldn't make me, statues. But let me,
0: let me, let me restate the question. I think there's a better way to I think there's a better question to ask. I think the better question to ask is, um, I, I think asking whether or not we should have statues of people who've done morally re- reprehensible things is not the best question. I think the best question is like, what. So I think we should statues because statues are just a lot of times just a snapshot of some of someone at a particular point in history. like you don't get the full um, you're free to the, the the viewer of the statue is free to interpret what parts of that person's history is being displayed or being paid homage to, you know. Um, so, mm-hmm. I think we when we erect a statue of someone, if we continue to do this, and I would argue maybe we shouldn't, but if we continue to erect statues of people, then I think the question to ask is, are we willing to risk or are we willing to leave uh up, are we willing to leave which part of this person's history we're endorsing or celebrating or paying homage to up for interpretation? Like are we willing to do that given the entirety of what we know about this person? Are we willing to have what that person's represent like what particular part of that person we're representing be left up to interpretation? And because yeah, both
1: you and I are gonna be like racists and bigots totally. down the line when they look totally. back at us, right? Totally.
0: Um, I'm sure that every person every when they person, have a
1: weekly regular uh, statue, <laughs> yeah, and it's when, <laughs> and it's you know you and Brandon up top, and then I'm kind of like below, like yeah. I'm doing like the the leaning kind of elbow, you know, under my head yeah, thing. When, like when, hey, when I, the, I was here for a couple episodes, <laughs> and I'm a lot smaller than you guys.
0: Yeah, when they do the uh, when they do the Last Supper uh, bronze Last Supper statue of the, all the weekly regular guests, right. Um, yeah you will definitely have to figure out who to put i'm on there. gonna be
1: judas actually
0: <laughs> yeah exactly um but no i think that's the question to ask like are we willing to have this person's entire history up for interpretation with with a statue and i think that list becomes very very small once you ask that question you know what i mean
1: mm-hmm. um so i think you just directed that question to the future right and I'm going to address that part, but I thought of something related to the past that I want to say too. Um, So I guess I, you know, I come off as being fairly conservative at certain points, and this Mm -hmm. is a part where I sound conservative, but it's actually not. Okay. Um, So the U.S. was like the, uh, absolutely when we started, you know, 1776, you know, shot around the world 1775 whatever um we were the absolute liberal beacon on a hill Mm -hmm. um the most liberal society on earth in terms of freedom of religion separation of church and state and um this prospect of democracy and in terms of like a step forward and freedom for people on earth we were doing a, we were doing plenty of things that we would look at now as being immoral, especially in like the context of slavery. Of course, um, but at the time, uh, wildly progressive. Um, and so I think we have to remember that as we look backwards, where it's like, "Oh, he's a slave owner." Uh, yeah. Well, guess what? Like all the leaders were, and that doesn't make it right. Um, mm-hmm. But we were progressing towards making way more people free and way more people being able to vote, and way more people being able to enjoy their lives. Um, otherwise, we might as well just topple absolutely the entire royal family of any country ever who was not fighting for anybody to be free um, right. and not interested in any kinds of freedom. And so you have to remember that in perspective. But in terms of the future statues, uh, and in terms of like whether we're ready to commit to that, um, mm-hmm. I just think there needs to be... Context, I guess, in the way that things are presented. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, this is why we're erecting this statue. Like, this specific reason. Um, And, you know, so, so, well, I don't think we've talked about Martin Luther King, but I'll bring him up. Okay. Um, So, people really like to raise this um, idea that he was like a womanizer or cheated on his wife. And,. Mm Um, I know a fair amount about that because I'm kind of a nerd about him and about his like history um, and people really like to like, kind of knock him off the pedestal for for doing mm-hmm. that um, but that wasn't ever his platform right, right. Um, and so as, as far as I know and what I've studied just as like a side note um, it sounds like he sort of emotionally cheated on his wife mm-hmm. um, which I'm not going to say is okay but is a different thing, right? So, yep. so essentially, at the, during the time period, the FBI was tapping his phone. Um, you know, he was a communist in their eyes, and they were going to trap him as a communist. And you know, he was an enemy of the state in a lot of ways, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and in in the process of tapping his phone calls, they found the fact that he, you know, had girls that he would talk to on the phone um, that weren't his wife. And that's where this whole thing comes from. I don't think there's any kind of, like, physical evidence that he, like, uh, f- you know, really was cheating or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and because they couldn't find anything to, like, skewer him in a communist front, they, they took all the recordings and shipped them to his wife when they knew he was going to be out of town. I think this is the story. Mm-hmm. Um, so she could, like, see the transcripts of, like, hey... You know, here's your husband talking to so-and-so that's anyway, big. that's like the most player hater move you could ever do yeah dude don't hate the player hate the <laughs> game i guess right uh, uh, anyway um he uh uh so that's like th- the amount of good that he did and right. and the fact that that's not his platform he wasn't it was he's not hypocritical uh that's maybe that's arguable but his platform wasn't like keep the marriage sanctified mm-hmm. Wasn't right. illegal. I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe there's a scale for judging those kinds of things, but mm-hmm. I think that's something that's like not really all that important.
0: Yeah, maybe. But, I mean, and let me pose this to you, and I'll, I'll get all hippy dippy here for a second. All maybe, right, hippy
1: boy. <laughs>
0: maybe there is a third way of looking oh, at the people. third way. Yeah, maybe there's Wait. a third way of looking at people. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't know if it's just one end of the spectrum. This person has done. Uh, a greater um, greater quantity or a greater quality of good stuff and it outweighs their bad stuff or vice versa maybe there's a third way to look at it and we look at each person as like a holistic individual who did bad stuff or stuff we don't like and has done good stuff and we celebrate the stuff the good stuff that they did and we condemn the bad stuff that they did um, but but we, we do that you know consistently for every person and not mm-hmm. pick and choose when we want to allow that kind of grace you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like you know if if Hitler had been a because we all know the joke that Hitler was like a failed artist or whatever if Hitler had painted the Sistine Chapel I don't think that I mean I think we could have the um, the intellectual life goes on.
1: Life goes on if the Sistine Chapel burns, but yeah. life didn't go on for you know lots of people. So. True,
0: I think. I th- but I do think, especially once removed by you know hundreds of years or whatever. I mean, obviously Hitler wasn't hundreds of years, but um, you know once removed by time. I think we we currently have. Um, the intellectual nuance to hold both ideas in our heads. Hitler was a monster but he also created one of the most beautiful paintings in architectural history like I think we can hold both those, those ideas and to, and to acknowledge the beauty of something that he painted is not to endorse him as you know a terrible tyrant that murdered thousands of millions of people or whatever you know what I mean right. I think we can hold both those ideas and I think it comes down to the individual as to whether or not um one side of that spectrum for them makes the other not bearable and i think those 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 complaints are valid and those things are valid but i think we are nuanced enough like thinkers in order to hold both those ideas you know
1: yeah yeah it's it's compartmentalized it's like hey they did this thing and then they also did this other thing that's bad and um i'm just not sure i guess i guess if i just bring it back to like the confederate yeah scenario um, i i'm just not sure there's anything that we can really raise to say that like any one of these guys did something that was so overwhelmingly great um yeah, no, considering I don't, I don't think the so. <laughs> confederacy existed for like i think it was 4 years maybe 5 and mm-hmm. you know they devoted their self their 4 or 5 years um, mm-hmm. to this cause right. of you know separating in slavery and other and killing Americans um which is which mm-hmm. is not a footnote I guess um uh you know maybe maybe if they were doing something you know if if one of these confederate leaders I don't know Stonewall Jackson mm-hmm. um also painted the Sistine Chapel uh but I don't I'm not aware of any of these guys being notable for any other reason I guess right, right? which is kind of what you're saying um yeah This is literally what they're famous for is doing these things
0: (laughs) right which is why i ultimately feel like um statues i don't think are a um are the best form of paying homage to any one person because they are in essence a snapshot a snapshot of uh you know a moment in someone's history that leaves which moment you're celebrating kind of up for interpretation and i just don't i think that's kind of irresponsible um and that's why, you know, whenever whenever there's like a major cultural or a social sh- shift in a, like a society, a lot of those monuments and statues come down because yeah. we're on a new wavelength. Like we're, we're thinking differently. Um, we're at a different point in history. Like, yeah, when the Berlin Wall fell, it, it was like a it was a symbolic ending of an era and a shifting to a new way of thinking. And I think that happens at every. You
1: yeah. Know, and in, all the every communist statues you know? that were toppled and whatever
0: yeah when when in iraq when they pulled down the uh what's the the the, uh saddam hussein uh statue you know everyone saw that as a huge victory it's like you know you know and i I think that's i think i think statues are just like they're kind of primitive and it's weird that they've survived for so long um this really made me think of how primitive it is when um uh at fourth of july like the the president was at um the, not the Washington Monument, what's the one out in Georgia? Or, no, it's not Georgia. Stone Mountain? uh, No, not Stone Mountain. He was out in, um, with the faces. Mount Rushmore.
1: Oh, with the faces. (laughs) Well, that's the same, that was the same artist. Oh, Um, I didn't know that. Stone Mountain and Mount Rushmore, but yeah.
0: I'm looking at it, I'm like, how like, even though it is a feat of engineering that the guy was able to pull this off, like, how primitive is it to like, I like that guy so i'm gonna carve that guy's face into stone like it's just such a primitive way of like It's kind
1: of like how you used to like carve you know a plus j because the son loved jessica and the tree <laughs> and he put the heart around it um, her, her, her name's yeah. Ju- her name's julie by the way julie sorry
0: <laughs> you weren't too far off <laughs>
1: actually i was being totally hypothetical and wasn't referring to your kidding. girlfriend <laughs> Um, And now I wish I just picked a different letter.
0: But yeah, yeah, it does seem primitive and it does seem short-sighted to me. I think there are better ways to... um, I think naming an institution after someone is a much more... um, memorable
1: Yeah, and so when it comes to, to like someone. the idea that we have US army bases, forts, whatever that are named after Confederate soldiers is <laughs> that's like That's crazy. That's pretty mind-blowing because that's just totally backwards, but I guess it was a concession to people in the South feeling like they were, you know, I don't know, short-sighted on the issue, right. which doesn't make any sense, but
0: And this and this is where I think the ideological um basis of conservatism kind of fails for me. Uh, in mm-hmm. a very basic sense, because the ID the ideology of conserva- conservatism is uh, well, it's worked so far this way, so why change it and mm. and that's why we still have. I mean, there are places in America. It's a fallacy. So, yeah, we there's a nation. There there are places in America, all over America, states, cities, highways, and stuff named after. Like people, we were trying to distance ourselves from, like named after mm. British royalty, named after people who used to own chunks of this country. And mm-hmm. like the names still exist. Mostly because it's just always been called that, so we just continue to call it that. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> like, you know, uh, and we'll
1: I just, just keep doing that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and and the status quo never it. The status quo only serves – keeping the status quo the same only serves people who benefit from the status quo. And
1: right, right. It doesn't. It doesn't mean it's working for anybody else. It just right. means <laughs> that it was working for you.
0: Right. So yeah. All right. Well, I'm glad we uh, have come to uh, some kind of meeting of the minds on that. Next. Um. Next. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Where did we leave off here? Uh, let's take a let's go to video games for a second. Are you excited for Tony Hawk Pro Skater One and Two revamp? Uh, no, <laughs>
1: <laughs> no. Have you heard of? Although, this? although, although they so hugely influenced my music taste that it's mm-hmm. just absurd. Uh, I mean yep. that's like that was pretty much my introdu- introduction to punk. Mm-hmm. Um, was playing those video games. Um,
0: I think that's the story for a lot of people our age
1: yeah dude that's like the playlist but there are also like weird deep cuts uh that you just like skip and you know when i've tried to listen to playlists again mm-hmm. it's like i don't even remember this song like
0: power but then there man, are other power ones man 5,
1: yeah like who cares <laughs> um wasn't isn't that uh like when worlds collide or something is that yeah. power man 5? Yeah. like i remember that song but it was like dude tony this was yeah. a really bad choice yeah <laughs>
0: they uh i just saw an article that um in the new the re-release of the game there's 37 new artists added to the soundtrack
1: oh that was a fail why you don't think so no how's that that's a fail? what that's what made those games the, well, no, the music I think was the, what I think made the old soundtrack
0: is, the soundtrack is still there they've just added to it
1: yeah yeah uh that's you know when i'm when i'm dropping in in the warehouse and i'm gonna you know <laughs> the warehouse. i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna do you know a big Benny Hana 720 over uh-huh. over the half pipe through the yeah. glass Get the and collect tape. the tape or whatever yeah, <laughs> yeah. um you know i want to be listening to superman from goldfinger you know i don't want to hear you know some kelly clarkson or whatever they're th- gonna put on there oh
0: you think that's what they're gonna put on there kelly clarkson <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah totally <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: what's that song uh what's a Ke- uh what's a kelly clarkson song what doesn't know. kill you makes you stronger, little bit wiser. Yeah, is, that's what—that's that that what you want to hear when you're doing what a cry stare.
1: Was it Kelly? Was it a Kelly Clarkson song that uh, "Data Remember" did? Data Remember. Oh, since you've been gone. Since you've been gone. Did you ever I hear? Did the, you ever did the hear their cover. cover of that? Is that no. Kelly
0: Clarkson? That is Kelly oh, Clarkson. I've heard brutal. that cover. It's brutal.
1: It's awesome. There's just I've like heard... a full. There's a full-on breakdown in the middle Man, with like pig squeals and stuff and just like. Uh,
0: there's a guy uh his name is um I think it's Alex Melton like M E L T O N uh-huh. uh who does uh country covers of like punk and alternative songs and uh-huh. he he does a country cover of um I write sins not tragedies by Panic at the Disco <laughs> and it is it is perfect
1: drew I'll have to check it out
0: It is perfect you should check it out
1: I only um, like country when I'm when I'm feeling, you know, magap. Um, on the Fourth of July, I listened to plenty of country, and I got no, uh, I got no qualms against saying that at all. What do you? think was no, listening. Our
0: country's good. What, what kind of country of are
1: you red, to? Courtesy of the red, white, and blue, kicked it off and finished it. So,
0: <laughs> what, uh, what? What? Were you, what were you listening to? What kind of
1: country? Uh, you so you're
0: a, you a Florida Georgia line type guy.
1: Well. <laughs> I I know songs. I don't know albums. I'm not good at artists. I There was a time period where I didn't have a MP3 situation. Like, this is 2009, 2010, so I don't mm-hmm. even know what we were doing at that time. But I didn't have a CD player or any kind of, like, aux hookup, I guess, is what we would have been doing mm-hmm. um, for, like, a year and a half. And all I did was listen to the radio. And pretty mm-hmm. much the only radio station I could handle was the country music station. So anything that came out during that time period, I pretty much know, and I'll uh, I'll come back to. But I I couldn't name anybody to be honest. My wife knows more of it. But so
0: little, little Kenny Chesney, huh? Little Kenny Chesney. I
1: guess I dude. I don't know. If 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 you sung a couple of his songs, I would definitely Let's know see, them. Uh, but
0: I'm trying to think what came, what came out around that time. Like, um, don't blink, because just like that, you're six years old, and you take a nap, and you wake Man, you up, like and this you're 25, stuff, huh? and your high school sweetheart
1: becomes your wife. It's a good song. <laughs> hey, that is my wife, actually. That is my song.
0: Your, your wife uh, was your high school sweetheart?
1: Uh, she was not my high school sweetheart, but we went oh. to high school together. We weren't even friends.
0: You guys hated each other in high school?
1: Well, she was a cheerleader and I was on the golf team and in a punk band, so our Dang. our paths didn't really cross. So
0: your life was basically that Taylor Swift song, Which but one? like, but like you like the uh you belong with me.
1: Oh, You're I don't even know. You're on the
0: phone with your girlfriend. She's upset. You got you know that song.
1: Yeah, but what are the she words? She wear know.
0: short skirts. I yeah, wear yeah. t-shirts. See?
1: I you was thinking like, more like Skater Boy. I was thinking more Taylor like Taylor Swift. Levine. No, like, no, nah, dude.
0: It was more like the I Taylor Swift I was the Swift Skater song. Boy,
1: and, and <laughs> she said, see you later, boy. That's more what I think.
0: Nah, I think you are more like the Taylor Swift version, but you were the Taylor Swift protagonist. Okay. <laughs> I like that one better. That's a better song, anyway.
1: <laughs> you know way too much <laughs> pop culture, but yes.
0: Oh, man, you got to know pop culture. You got to know, you know, that's that's all we got.
1: All right, next topic.
0: <laughs> um so uh have you in you just had a baby or are having a baby?
1: Yeah, yeah. He's 4 months old. Well, gotcha. a little over 4 months old. Gotcha. He Sorry. giggles <laughs> and he stands now, so we're nice. we're moving in the right direction.
0: Nice. Um so are you being extra careful with the COVID-19?
1: Yeah, uh so I was talking to my buddy about it today. Um I probably less scared of the health implications in terms of like disastrous results just because we're young Mm uh and so statistically we're probably going to be fine i'm probably more concerned of the um economic or work implications so we Uh have family friends um where the whole family got it five of them and they were in the hospital for like a month um and they got three sons between the ages of like 22 and 28 and they were in the hospital for a month. So, um, I'm probably more worried about like what that would do, uh, to our general life situation with our kid.
0: Yeah, I hear that. All right. Well, speaking of that, I mean, let's get into it. Um, so you are, you are a new father, but I mean, Mm -hmm. you're a father nonetheless. Um, right now a a hot, (laughs) a hot topic, uh, in the streets right now, uh, is schools and what, uh, yeah, kids are going to be expected to do in the fall if schools are going to reopen or not, if they should reopen or not. Um, it's it's a you know it's a it's a topic that's becoming very politicized. Um, Trump and that camp are pushing for schools to reopen like normal and take you know certain safety precautions. I guess it's still pretty loosey goosey on what that might look like. Um, and um, the left is more so saying you know if it's not safe for us to return to work or if it's not safe you know you know, for us to be doing life as normal, why should we be sending our kids to school like normal? Um, you know, so what what is your whole uh, reaction to what's going on with the school debate, uh, if you have any personal thoughts on it?
1: Well, I think it's unfortunate in the fact that, you know, I teach college, so mm-hmm. teaching online, you know, there's a certain amount lost, obviously, but right. the part that's lost, I think, is more of a, a learning part in terms of the subject matter itself as opposed to life skills, right? Um, which is so much what kids are learning. And, you know, not only can they not learn on a computer, you know, five-year-olds can't really effectively be delivered lesson plans, you can't just, you know, assign the reading and take the test the way we do with online classes for college. Right. <laughs> um, and- But I so believe in the social aspect of schools as being important. And I don't know what the solution is in terms of, you know, what do you do with an eight-year-old? Right. Um, But at the same time, I think it's absolutely fantasy land, this idea that any kind of restrictions are really going to stick. I saw some posts. I don't Mm -hmm. even know where I saw this. Maybe sometimes I mention things and, and they're actually huge but it was an offhanded thing for me. But somebody posted and who was a mom and said like, if you don't think your kid is gonna lick their hand and chase people around on the playground saying like, I got corona disease and like trying to touch everybody, um, you're kidding yourself. Like that is right. what kids do. Like right. I, I don't even remember. It's like a, it's like practically a schoolyard game where somebody has a disease and you chase them around and like you, you right. tag somebody and then they have the disease and then you run. It's like basically playing tag, but there's like a disease variant of it or something like the idea that kids aren't going to be like swapping spit and licking drinking fountains. Like I always remember there was that kid that would like put his whole mouth over the drinking fountain. Yeah. Like there was, always one weirdo on, <laughs> there was always one weirdo in every class who just like swallowed the drinking fountain and like sucked out water. That was the kid who flipped his eyelids up too. flipped his eyelids up and would like fart under his arm. And, you know, um, I always wanted to flip my eyelids up, but that scared me because I don't like touching my eyes. But, um, But yeah, I mean, I think it's I I I think the problem with a lot of the way the right has reacted to a lot of this is that at the end of the day, it just sucks. Like it might not be a political issue. It's just like, oh, this really sucks. And maybe we're gonna have to get through it as opposed mm-hmm. to denying that it sucks um and i don't i don't know I, well mm-hmm. given given our current tra- trajectory, which is not good right um I would say no, we shouldn't be sending kids back to schools right um because it doesn't look good uh it doesn't mean we can't do it in the spring um but it's it, but it's i don't know kid kids are like. I mean, this is what happens, right? The flu goes around because all the kids are licking po- the same pole at school. Right. Um, I remember what a pole tastes like, <laughs> which is ridiculous, but I absolutely did it. So I don't know. That's just like disease land in terms of things getting past.
0: Yeah, I think. I think the. So I think why this time it feels so chaotic and, and I think. Th- the problem with the way the right particular is in particular is reacting to this is it's tough for people to grasp as a as a whole like as a society it's tough for people to grasp that no one knows what to do um,
1: and, right. I, and, and and so on the doctor's comment, like we're really holding people accountable to the things that they say, or the decisions they make, which is mm-hmm. I think is totally fair, unfair because it's unprecedented. Right. Nobody knows what we're supposed to do. Right. Uh, Give and people I think, some grace.
0: Yes. And I think that um, the right the ideology of like well we've always sent kids to school and kids just are going to be kids like why stop doing that now i think the ide their their ideological base of like why should things change even in the you know in the face of like unprecedented times why should things change is bumping up against a wall of true Of true, pure not knowing what to do next. And I think a lot of people on the right are having a a hard time dealing with that. And so what they turn to is conspiracy theories. And all these conspiracy theories are flying around. Well, they don't want our kids to go to school. They don't want us to have a cure. There's some kind of ulterior motive coming from the left and those who are trying to force vaccines on us. And there's all these different all this all this mental gymnastics that you have to do to really like convince yourselves of like these conspiracy theories and mm-hmm. all these conspiracy theories serve to do is to build animosity uh amongst amongst ourselves and it doesn't help anything so when you have you know um politicians and 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 leaders and stuff like that trying to figure out okay what are we going to do in the fall in the face of this pandemic that we you know we should have seen coming but we didn't we don't have any any idea what to do well now on top of the stress of the the mystery and the unknown of what to do now you have half the country screaming at you because they feel like just do what we always have done be, because you've got to do something, and, and then there, there, because if, if you're not doing something, it's because you have some ulterior motive. It's because you're you have some pandemic uh, conspiracy going on where you don't want our kids in schools, you don't want our economies to reopen, like it's it's nuts man and people have really convinced themselves of these things to where the point now where this week you get these these <laughs> these um group of doctors in lab coats who mm-hmm. by all in, by all measures and metrics of their own um behavior online are quacks Um, And you get them together and a Republican senator uh, in conjunction with Breitbart and Tea Party publications gets these, uh, you know, these doctors together to share a bunch of confusing information uh, conflated with their own opinions on liberty and and government overreach and their own conspiracy theories. And you got them in front of, you know, the friggin. You know, I think it was like the, what the Congress, the houses of Congress or something like that. I don't know where they were at, something like that. And it looks all official and you have them spreading misinformation conflated with their own opinions and their own conspiracy theories. And all you're doing is adding noise to an already confusing situation that just enrages people who hear little things that they agree with or that reinforces their own bias. And then enrages the people who disagree because they're like, this is not helping at all. Hmm. And it's just—it's just a nightmare situation. It—it it really is. Um, it just—it sucks.
1: Yeah, because most of our uh, fake news, misinformation, sort of campaigns in the past have been, well, at least what I've been exposed to, more political and less practical. Which right. is where this one, I guess, people's lives are at stake. So it takes a totally different turn. I just think—I just think what the what the left is asking for um and it sucks that that's the way it is um that it is a left-right thing but i guess it's become that way it's just not a big deal right so we're saying uh the left is saying wear masks and you know limit social interactions um you know schools might not reopen you got to eat outside at restaurants you got to wear a mask until you sit down your waiter's gonna wear a mask I don't know. I, don't, I just don't think the restrictions that are being requested are all that big of a deal. Um, the, the part where I guess I sympathize with the right, but I think they're being totally disingenuous with, is the fact that the people that are hurting the most economically... Are poor people because they're working jobs in you know the service yes. industry that require interactions? Yes, and I think that's a part that the left is totally missing that that is their demographic in terms of voting, where you have to have a solution for people that can't you know go to work. They can't work at the restaurant. You right. know the staff has been cut in half, um, but that's not what the right is actually mad about. What the right is mad about and why they're parading these people you know at, at Capitol Hill is that they think it's a ploy against Trump. Um, <laughs> and so they don't actually care about people that are suffering. Right. What they care about is the fact that it's going to be um, put on Trump's shoulders and, you know, this is going to be a big political issue because you never hear, you know, they're they're really mad about reopening, but it's not that they're r- mad about reopening because they want the pizza boy to go back to work. Um, they right. want to reopen because they don't want Trump to be wrong. They don't want it to be put at his doorstep. Right. Um, and so I think a lot of it is just really dumb. Um, I, I don't even know if I'm all that harsh on Trump for all of this happening uh, because I've been really pessimistic about this stuff in general and I'm really pessimistic about communicable diseases. If you open a history book, it happens and there's not a lot you can do. Um, and pretty much since this started, I figured we're all going to get it. Uh my best I can do is kinda try my best and that's about it. Um mm-hmm. that's the way I've looked at it. And so like I actually think the right has been more defensive than it's actually been weaponized by the left left in the fact that they're so worried that it's gonna be his defining thing is that he failed at this. Well that's uh, but maybe and, that's because I don't care. But
0: right. And that's my and so I think you just uncovered a great a great issue here. I think So when things become politicized, um, the right often will take an issue that is not a huge issue – and conflate it into this or inflate it into this giant issue that is an attack on their ideology and attack on on their identity and who they are as a person and it just isn't that and i right. think that that happens if we happens all just wore
1: masks if we all just were okay with wearing masks on march 12th or whatever then this would have never been a political yeah, the, issue
0: the reality of the situation is if we all just agreed the first yeah, back in March when we first realized that this thing was a thing, if we had all really locked down and didn't go anywhere for three to four weeks and really stayed in our houses, we probably would not have to be worrying about this right now. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it, it's, it's crazy to think because the right does this a lot. And I, you know, I would have to think about, you know, I'm sure there are examples of this on the left, but I feel like the right over the last, you know, however many years has become so much more like, um, a team aligned and much more political politically uh entrenched uh, on their mm-hmm. side of things and it's happened on both sides but there's just so many examples on the right where you take the issue of you take this issue all we're asking is hey everyone wear a mask don't go anywhere uh and then we can beat this thing people on the right look the only reason people on the right don't want to wear a mask and don't want to be told to stay in the house is because they don't want to wear a mask and don't want to because be told to stay in the house. because of 1776, dude. <laughs> right, right?
1: Do you not remember? It's we beca- fought against masks and being like, told what to do. If, pe-
0: if people on the right would just say, I don't want to wear a mask and I don't want to stay in the house because I don't want to because I'm selfish and I don't right. want to do that, I would have much more respect for that person than them because most people don't have that level of I'm not going to call it courage because I don't want to make it seem noble. Most people mm-hmm. don't have that kind of fortitude. Let's just call it that or boldness to be able to say that. So in or their just ca-
1: selfishness, I guess, right? right?
0: In, so in so in their in their cowardice, they say they conflate it and make it about something else. Well, if they're asking us to do this, it must be mean because they have a larger agenda to push. It must mean because if they're asking us to wear a mask and not go anywhere, it's because they're they must be out for some larger sense of control that they're trying to impose on us. Where yeah. like, and it, and if you just poke at that logic for even a second with some rational thought, it completely deflates. Uh, yeah. you, you know what you know what ensures that the, the federal government has as much control over you as possible you being able to go out and spend money you being able to go out and function in society as normal yeah. uh, trust me man. Every politician in the United States, left or right, wants the economy to go back to normal, wants you to be able to go back to work, wants you to yeah. be able to do all the things you did before, because that's where the federal government really that's has control. That's why they control. have a job, yeah. That's why they, that's what they want, because that's what generates uh, 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 money to put in their pockets. They don't want you sitting at home and them trying to come up with ways to send you money. That's not what politicians want. So this yeah. whole idea about, oh, they just want to give us mass so they can control us is A baseless crock of horseshit that is just an excuse for people to not have to say, I'm just selfish. And this is the way it is with everything. Like, that the right chooses to champion, for the most most part, it is, I, they should just say, I, like, Jim Jeffries has a joke. He says, the only argument for wanting a gun in the United States is, hey, I like guns, I want a gun. But no one, no one says that. Everyone makes it about something else, and it's just most of those arguments. When you poke at them for long enough, they just they just fall apart. It, it just comes yeah. down to you value your own self interest more than you do the interest of everybody in the country, and mm-hmm. you just don't want to say that. But that is that is the point,
1: you know. Yeah, yeah. I so, probably agree too much. I don't even know if I have much of a response there <laughs> because. Uh, yeah, I think it's, I think it's pretty disingenuous and bizarrely politicized and it just has uh, nothing to do with anybody outside of themselves for sure.
0: Yeah. It's narcissism. It's, it's the Mm -hmm. inability to recognize their own selfishness that is causing them to make up reasons of why they think the way that they do. No, you're just selfish. That's the only, and you're seeing it, you're seeing it uh, I, I had um, I posted something on Facebook the other day because uh, if people who don't live in Southern California and maybe aren't aware of what's going on with, like, um, Orange County right now. So, Orange mm. County, there's, like, this weird thing. Orange County is just a weird place in general. Orange yeah. County, like, in a lot of ways is kind of like – people say it's like the – the joke is, like, it's like the Florida of California. It's so the um, Rancho
1: Cucamonga of
0: Urban areas. <laughs> right. People say it's like the Florida of California. I would say it's more like the Arizona of California because uh-huh. half of Orange County like um uh half of Orange County like northern Orange County and northeast Orange County is like why is like is like a a huge um Latin American population. There's like right huge right. Hispanic population, like Santa Ana, all Downey, all of those well, areas. Asian. Right, and Asian, too. Whittier
1: and Cerritos and right. Norwalk. And but the
0: close. But the more south you get, the closer you get to the ocean. Obviously, it's it's really white. It's really old. And there's a lot of money down hey, there.
1: Tiger Woods is from Cyprus. So before you start <laughs> saying blanket statements.
0: <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, hey, the, and, he's, and
1: he's got the whole melting pot in his blood. So
0: True, true. Um, But so uh, Orange County is this weird place. And there's a lot of like really... There's like this in sense of entitlement with people that live there that like mm. moving living in being from Orange County And even just moving to Orange County for a lot of people is like like an identity for them um, Our I never I'll never forget when I was young um, We had a na- we I grew up in San Bernardino out in the Inland mm. Empire 909 what's up uh, I grew up across what's the street up? <laughs> I, grew up so a, funny. I grew up in a very modest, you know lower middle class neighborhood um and you know near the my, college right kind of i live near like um i don't know how well you know san bernardino but like i lived we, like we a,
1: went there once you probably don't remember but i've been to your house okay do you have like do you have like young quite a bit younger siblings
0: i have i have one younger brother he's like
1: 24 25 he was like playing gamecube <laughs> yeah yeah probably Does that sound right Oh yeah, that We, yeah, we, I we think went and picked to the up house. band stuff, and we went yes. and played okay. music somewhere. That makes anyway. sense. Yeah.
0: So the house across the street from the house I grew up in, there was a family that lived there. White family. The dad looked like the guy. He looked like Peter Gallagher, the dad off of the OC.
1: Yeah, yeah. Sandy Cohen. My wife yeah. loves the show. I never watched it when it was on, but I had to watch it because of her. Right. So go ahead. <laughs>
0: and the mom. And the mom was this blonde lady. She looked like um, she looked like uh Julia McNamara from Nip Tuck. I don't know if you ever watched Nip Tuck. No. Anyway.
1: I can um, picture a blonde white lady though.
0: Yeah, and they had two two sons. One who was older and moved away, like for college and stuff. And then the one who was like a couple years older than me. Me and him were friends. But I'll never forget. Like uh, <laughs> my mom was like my mom was telling me one day that like she after having an interaction with the lady across the street, um, she came in the house laughing and chuckling to herself. And I must have been like twelve at the time. I was too young to kind of understand why my mom was laughing. But she comes back in laughing and she's like, uh, "Cause so the guy who lived across the street, the husband." Uh, he owned a like a used car dealership so he thought he was like hot shit you know uh he was like uh yeah he's like my mom was like you know every time the lady across the street i won't say her name but uh she's like every time the lady across the street sees me she tells me uh (laughs) haha she kind of chuckles and tells me she can't wait to move to uh newport beach right and uh and i'm and my mom was like she was like laughing she's like i just laughed they're gonna live here for the rest of their lives like we are right and i didn't understand like why that was so funny now as an adult i know why that's funny because like for for a certain type of person like moving to orange county or living in orange county is like the fulfillment of some like lifelong sense of feeling like i'm owed like a better existence okay yeah yeah you know yeah, what i'm saying yeah and I feel like that that level of like entitlement is being borne out right now in Orange County with the COVID thing, because there's like a whole. I'm move, here,
1: yeah. I'm a whole, here. They're out there. Yeah, I'm so not listening to them.
0: There's a whole movement in Orange County of people who refuse to wear masks, who refuse to take any sort of precautions with COVID nineteen, because either they're like, you know, uh, they feel like they're just above it, or like it just does the rules don't apply to them, or because they're these like there's like these weird religious fanatics there who have conflated their like religious attitudes about the afterlife and stuff with not having to socially distance or do anything preventative in this lifetime so it's weird yeah because i had an interaction with someone on facebook i got a
1: whole i got a whole theological discussion around that i don't know if we need to have that today but
0: we we might let me just tell you about this so i had i had an interaction on facebook with someone and I just had to post because there's like um, there's this guy who is a worship leader and pastor was like a like a failed politician, like he ran for Congress or something like that from mm. uh, a church on the left up behind in, party. <laughs> he uh, he I, he was a Republican for sure. Uh, he's from a church up in Northern California that's very culty and and there's a lot of, yes. So he he has during the COVID lockdown has been making a a career of sorts out of traveling to different um uh church gatherings that are happening outdoors and he's Mm -hmm. been promoting these things where hundreds and sometimes thousands as in the case in Huntington Beach people coming together to sing songs on the beach and to baptize one another and to have a joyous uh, gay old time in the name of the Lord um and I've seen pictures and video clips and not a single person from what I can see is wearing a mask. No one Mm -hmm. is distanced people are baptizing each other and hugging each other. And it's just wild to me because the, like I have a background in Christianity. You have a background in Christianity. I know the church he comes from. I know the type of stuff that they talk about. And this, this church a year ago, would be the first to tell you, oh, God, there's no limits to what God can do. God can meet you anywhere. He can save people in the midst of where they're at in prison, wherever. You know, God's all powerful can do anything. But for some reason, during this COVID lockdown, these church leaders feel like, you know, it's just uh, we feel like it's an imperative for uh, us to gather in large numbers and sing praises to the lord uh Mm. and and as evidence of that of, of us being right about that lots of people are being saved right now but the circular the circular logic of that is almost breathtaking and and the the cognitive dissonance in in what they would be teaching normally a year ago versus what they feel so compelled to do right now is just is num- is mind numbing to me, and it's just it's just hypocrisy in the worst way, and it's a clearly in my opinion evidence of people who are masking their own um, rebelliousness and own selfishness. Uh, they're masking it with this, you know, with their religion and with their faith, and mm-hmm. and 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 searching for another reason to to say I don't want to wear a mask, other than I'm just selfish and don't want to do it, you know. So that's yeah. my that's
1: my soapbox I, on I'd Orange say, County right uh, now. I'd say, I'd um say. Something you said made me actually more sympathetic than I have been towards these people. Um, uh, the times we're in right now are so weird and uncertain and feeling hopeless that if there's yep. any time where people feel like they would need religion, it would be right now. Um, sure. And so I can sure. sympathize with that. But but the, the part that related to the end times kind of theology and related to what you just said, Yeah. Um, the general cr- Christian um, especially evangelical viewpoint um would be that um, well, number one, being a Christian isn't gonna guarantee any kind of happiness right. um you're gonna pick up your cross and it doesn't really matter what happens in your life, yeah, and if anything prosperity type,
0: if anything, life is gonna get worse for you
1: right right and you should yeah. be proud of that um, right. and so what I find a little bit strange from an end times sort of idea which is related to the COVID thing is this idea that um, and I'm going to relate this back to like environmentalism because I think it's an important relation in the way that I usually talk about it um, but since when does God not allow your stupid decisions to punish you mm-hmm. Like th- that's almost like youth group 101 is like hey you do something stupid and your life is not going to benefit from it, right? Right. Um, and for some reason, we we bask in the face of it or whatever, we fly it in the face of, you know, science or any kind of reason and decide that, you know, God's going to take care of you no matter what you do, um, which is not at all the anything you're going to learn in any right. Christian circle, right? You're going to learn the opposite. Right. Um, and I always liken it, to and you know when I talk about it in class, I always liken it to environmental stuff because mm-hmm. I swear the the evangelical right position is this idea that the earth is going to end at some point right um, because god's going to bring it to an end, which is is totally fine. I have nothing nothing wrong with that standpoint, but what what they bring that to is the fact that we can do whatever we want to the earth and it doesn't matter and it doesn't matter because God's going to end the earth when he wants to end it. But again, right. since when does God not punish you for the things you do that are wrong, you're responsible. If you drive drunk, right. my, so my mom used to always say that she would pray that I got caught. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's basically Christianity one oh one in, <laughs> in, in terms of like ethical standpoint where, um, we don't want you to get away with doing bad things right. as Christians. We don't want you to get away with getting, doing bad things. Um, And so I I always liken it to like a rev limiter in a car. Uh, if you drive a manual transition, your transmission, your car's not going to shift for you. Um, but most cars have a rev limiter that won't allow you to rev past a certain amount of RPMs. The engine will actually shut off. Like when you're playing a racing video game and you're at the starting line and the needles bouncing off the, off the end, it's like, because the car is turning on, turning off, turning on, turning off. Um, and people think that there's some kind of rev limiter and we can put as much pollution in the earth as we want. We can do whatever we want because God's going to stop us from killing ourselves. Mm -hmm. Well, we already know that pollution is killing all kinds of people, right? All over the earth, Polluting props, it's, it's causing asthma, all kinds of health problems. Mm -hmm. Why? Because we did it. God didn't stop you from doing that. He allows you to be stupid. That's the whole point of free will. Mm -hmm. Um, and so back to the mask thing, I think it's absolutely ridiculous that like, uh, it's it's almost like you know when when you know Jesus is being challenged or tempted in the desert and he's going to jump off the cliff um you know the angels are going to save him um like that's literally like putting your god to the test is to mm-hmm. say like i'm not going to wear a mask and i'm going to be around 100 people um yeah. and god's going to save me that's like it's like words out of Jesus' mouth of like you're not supposed to be doing it. So yeah, it's like the most bizarre, contradictory, yeah. conflating. Just I mean, just so many bizarre and it's just, problems. It's there.
0: intellectually dishonest and intellectually inconsistent because mm-hmm. most of those people also believe that like um, when you become a Christian or when you are saved, then your your behavior has to change. Like the fruit right, that right. you bear has to also be different. Mm-hmm. But you can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't on one hand believe that oh, when I become saved or when I become a Christian, m- certain behaviors that I do have to change because that's the, that's the, the fruit being born out of being a Christian. And mm-hmm. at the same time say, it doesn't matter what I do to the uh, environment or what I do to the people around me or anything like that because God's in control.
1: like you can't right.
0: you can't have it both ways.
1: I drive drunk every day because I know that God is in control exactly I got my my, the guardian angel is my co-pilot exactly (laughs)
0: It's, it's just not it's just not there's no logic to it it's. It, it it they should just say I don't want to wear a mask because I'm selfish please
1: please just say that
0: <laughs> just say that like it's much more it's much less offensive for you to just be honest and say that than to make up some you know Especially imaginary a religious reasons. one that's yes. wildly
1: offensive to me yeah that's but,
0: very it's very offensive it's offensive yeah. in any way it like the, the i would say the religious route is even more offensive than creating conspiracy theories about the, this tyrannical leftist government that for some reason wants everyone to wear a mask and not go to work right. like at, like <laughs> at least like one doesn't try to like completely exist outside of the realm of any sort of like like don't weaponize your faith like that that's it's yeah it's it's ugly and gross um just say you're selfish and and that's that's totally fine. You're free to you're free to be selfish if you want, you know? It's just yeah. it just sucks, man. Uh, <laughs> and and those are the people and the crazy thing is the people who don't want to wear masks, the people who just wanna, you know, not care about everyone else, they are the reason why everything is shut down. And those are the people who are always mad that they can't go anywhere that stuff and who is are shut like down. Yeah. yeah, they're mad that stuff is shut down. But the reason stuff continues to be shut down is because you won't do anything about it. Yeah. It's just wild, man. Yeah. It's 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 particularly crazy and maddening. But um, you know, we could beat that horse forever. Um <laughs> let let's um let's talk about Portland. Okay. Um I figured you might have some uh interesting insights on this. Um so I am not super familiar with um some of the finer details of what's been going on in portland over the last 60 days or whatever i do know mm-hmm. that um uh portland has been there's been non-stop protesting and rioting for the last 60 days
1: um the whitest city in america by the way
0: <laughs> yeah the whitest city in america there's been protesting and rioting uh the last 60 days um i know that now is this where there's like the like the lawless zones like chaz and chop is that in portland
1: uh i believe so don't quote me on that one
0: i think so there's that um and then there so basically in downtown portland they've been trying to um in the midst of the rioting and protesting they've been trying to infiltrate the um i think it's the the federal court there the federal courthouse in portland and um the trump administration saw that as um an either an opportunity depending on how you're looking at it or uh, a reason to send in at first covert um federal agents of some description to go in and neutralize certain um protesters riders, whatever you want to call them or suspects or whatever um Mm -hmm. from the streets of portland once it was being reported that that was happening then they sent actual marked car like you know, badge-wearing, uh, quote-unquote, um, mm-hmm. you know, federal agents. Uh, some of them were border patrol agents. That those types of people, like, uh, mm-hmm. like I believe one of them was—I forget the name—but it was they were like basically, if border patrol had a SWAT team, that that's who these people are. Um, mm-hmm. Were sent into Portland to, to quote-unquote defend uh, federal property uh, and monuments. Um, and apparently, this week, they—I think they've been there for a couple weeks now. And apparently, this week, it was announced that. Uh, the The Governor of Washington, I believe, has com- reached an agreement with President Trump to remove um, uh, the federal agents from there. Oregon. But yes. Oregon, yes. Sorry. What did I say, Seattle? or Washington?
1: Y- yeah, you said Washington.
0: Yeah. Sorry, I'm in I'm in Oregon. Um,
1: uh-huh.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, they reached some kind of agreement to withdraw those uh, agents, and that's going to happen apparently. Um, So yeah, I think those are the broad strokes Um, I just wanted to see your reaction to the situation and then I'll uh, I have some comments as well But I just wanted to see what your reaction to the whole like situation in general is
1: so I probably don't know enough uh, Mm -hmm. which is a bummer, but um, my general reaction to uh, You know, this is a There's some very broad strokes being painted here and Mm -hmm. you know, I hope nobody holds me accountable for it, but I know enough about Portland, and this is also some massive stereotyping, but I imagine <laughs> there's just a ton of virtue signaling and a lot of Facebook likes or Instagram likes and stories sure. um, that are the root of a lot of the protesting there, which mm-hmm. I think is um, it's fuel for the right. And totally worthless. And mm-hmm. um, when I said that Portland is the whitest city in America, that's actually a fact um, among cities over a certain threshold. That is the whitest, um, and not that not that race should be an important thing, other than the fact that um, you know there's a reason that the show Portlandia exists, is that there's right. this stereotype of these really self righteous people that aren't actually a part of any kind of struggle, um, and right. really want to get some likes and make sure everybody knows that they are a part of the struggle. Um, and then, so there's that part of me specifically related to Portland. And then I'm also pretty critical of a lot of the protesting, rioting, whatever in general, um, in the fact that these are the same people and I'm going to sound like a right winger when I say this, but I'm, but I'm not because it's, for me, it's just a logical distinction. Mm -hmm. Um, you can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't, you can't, uh, you can't think that COVID is a big deal and then start, you know, having mass protests and everybody's, you know, bumping shoulders and you know all around mm-hmm. each other and and whatnot. And that that uh, is really frustrating to me because I think it I think it uh, hurts both causes. Yeah. Um, because it's as uh, a disingenuous part, and then I think it uh, becomes especially real in Portland, um, where mm-hmm. I don't think that there are a ton of people that have things to be complaining about other than. Um, well, maybe I shouldn't say that it's that their motive is uh is to look good to everybody else right. um but it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that their causes are are bad. I probably have don't have enough to speak to on the um on the situation in Portland specifically other than the fact that. I sh- I know that Trump's agenda is purely political in the fact that yeah. you know he keeps tweeting and talking about the fact that these democratic mayors can't handle their cities so he's going to step in and fix it which I think is um kind of ridiculous in yep. the fact that um he well, one nobody in Portland's voting for him anyway, so it's like a it's like <laughs> well, a show for the rest yeah, of the country.
0: Exactly, he's posturing. He's posturing yeah. for the people who are going to vote for him anyway.
1: And he's showing that you know he can solve these problems and these Democrats can't, which I think is just I don't know. I just don't care. And I think little, it, yeah,
0: <laughs> I think it does for me ideologically. It raises some problems. Um, the 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 Trump sort of federal response to this, I mm-hmm. think. Uh, Because I don't believe that there was anybody in Oregon um, At any level of the legislature or the leadership That was crying out for help from the federal government Um, Right And and I think there's an issue Now, you know, uh, Trump has obviously found an opportunity to bring up You know, they don't want them to trash the federal courthouse And they want to protect federal property, whatever But um, Trump has been threatening to send in um, federal uh, reinforce, excuse me, reinforcements or whatever you want to call it, intervention or whatever. For for weeks and months before that, there for was years any.
1: for whatever, whatever yeah. he's gonna step in and whatever Democrat yeah. problem. So, be-
0: long before there was any threats to to federal monuments or federal buildings or anything, I, and I I think there's an inherent, uh, it, especially if you're a Constitution purist out there, which a lot of libertarians at least pretend to be, like. Uh, and, and conservatives pretend to be if you really are conservative, you right, should be very, very conservative issue. constitutionally. You should be very concerned
1: about Trump
0: sending in especially covert right. federal, you know, masked troops going in there. Well, yeah, um, that's the
1: whole thing is that, you know, Republicans are actually for big government. They're just for a different kind of big government. Yes. They just they don't like the the, the welfare state, but they love power. They love the military yes yeah, so like i don't um, they understand love how giving any <laughs> money to big corporations yeah. <laughs> they love a bunch of other big government things they yes. love like the most useless like money funnel of all time which is the military yes. and i don't care how any of your listeners react to that because uh, i work on an army base and you talk to any of the soldiers and they'll be like hey i'm a button pusher or yep. like i'm a phone answerer mm-hmm. um and they all think like pretty much unanimously no, and all my buddies who are vets, like I have multiple friends who are vets, and they didn't renew their contracts because they're like, I literally like folded laundry in a ship uh that you know drove around, and mm-hmm. I folded laundry for troops who were not fighting. I folded folded laundry for, well, I guess uh, in the Marines. I, don't know. I guess they're not sailors because they're not Navy, but they're on a ship. Whatever. They're like sh- um, they're like shipmen or just, something. Yeah. They're they're just going and driving around. Um, you know, the oceans burning gas and shooting off rockets and like doing war games and I like folded laundry for them. Uh Did you see that, we uh, we love that kind of socialism. Like yeah. that's just let's just dump a bunch of money into like people just playing war games and do <laughs> literally doing nothing in the desert. Did you see uh, that that, sounds um, great.
0: that that uh that ship that caught fire in the San Diego port a couple weeks ago?
1: Yeah. I think my parents were down there. Oh were they actually pretty sure they sent me a video of it because they saw it i don't know what happened
0: yeah there was a a, a, uh, one of the ships down there that was like a that like air like air force jets take off from and stuff like that yeah uh, I guess aircraft carrier It wasn't an aircraft carrier though Like it wasn't that big I don't think But it was mm-hmm. a, like a vessel like that 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 um, that launched airplanes and stuff mm-hmm. And it caught fire Like in one of the uh, Like I think on like the surface level or something like that And it was like a huge fire Like they were, they were fighting it I don't know if they're still fighting it or not But they were fighting it for By the time I read the story They'd been fighting it for days and nights um, they had called in, like, all different kinds of, you know, people to help fight the fire. They were dropping helicopter tanks of water on it. Mm-hmm. and
1: There were a bunch to- of guys with super soakers just <laughs> going crazy. And
0: they kept <laughs> calling in more branches of, like, the military and, like, in fire departments and something like that to come. Mm-hmm. And it, to me, it was just, like, the perfect illustration. Of, like uh, uh, Like, the New Yorker couldn't come up with a better comic strip than the military scrambling to figure out how to put out this fire. And it's just like no amount of reinforcements that they can call is helping. And they're yeah. just praying that. And and, 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 in the article I was reading, they were just hoping
1: like there was some quote from one of the officers who was like, it was, it's what? a great illustration for like Afghanistan. Yeah. They're they're like he was like we'll call a truce with the fire, (laughs) yeah. You know, nineteen years later,
0: (laughs) one of the one of the captains was like, uh, yeah, we just really hope that it doesn't get to the fuel reserves in the bottom of the ship because if that happens, uh, there's you know there's like a million tons of fuel on their ship because it's an aircraft ship. So if that happens, you know everyone run. You know, and I'm just like that's kind of just like. It's just such a microcosm of like the way we handle the military. We just we'll just add more people and throw more money at it and in hope the worst doesn't happen. Yeah. And 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 it was just funny to me. So I thought I'd I'd talk about that little aside. But um yeah, I do think the you know, you made an interesting point about the right and like they love they love big government. They just only love government that serves their preconceived Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that serves their preconceived notions. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um because if you look at it, we spend a ton of money on the military,
1: but the VA system is terrible. Well, yeah, because there's, uh, veterans aren't flashy or cool, but yeah, exactly. guns are cool. Active yeah. troops are cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's rough, man. Um, how did we get here? Oh, we were talking about Portland. And yeah, that's what I was talking about. Constitutional conservatives should be very concerned about Trump sending in um, federal troops, uh, to federal intervention when states aren't asking for it. I think uh, that is that is a problem. Uh, <laughs> that is a problem and something to be concerned about. Um, all right. Do you have any more thoughts on that or do you want to move on? Next. All right. Um, <laughs> let's get into some tech stuff. Uh, I sent you this today. Um, yeah. uh, all the big tech company owner guys, Jeff Bezos, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, Um, Sundar Pichar from uh, Google and Tim Cook were at um, were before a House Judiciary Committee today, an antitrust panel um, to basically plead their case that they're not monopolies and Mm -hmm. that they haven't acted in a a, uh, malicious way in some of the acquisitions and stuff that they've made. I've highlighted like a couple key arguments from the article from CNBC that I sent you. Um, and basically, here's the things that have happened so far. Uh, Instagram founder uh, said that he was basically bullied into selling uh, Instagram to Facebook. And this is uh, the topic that one of the main topics Mark Zuckerberg is, is uh, testifying about today. Um, basically, the argument being made was that Zuckerberg threatened to create a clone company of Instagram if the guy wouldn't sell it to him. And he would put Instagram out of business. Um, Amazon um has been accused of price cutting to drive out the their competition like and one of the examples that was cited was diapers.com they um they cut when amazon started making diapers uh they cut their prices extremely low at a price that uh, diapers.com just couldn't compete with um facebook was accused of monopolizing digital messaging through purchase of whatsapp um that happened um Uh, let's, they bought them for $19 billion. Um, and then another Amazon, this is the last one I have. Amazon accused, Amazon is being accused of using third party seller data to determine what products they should make in house. So if they see that a company is selling a lot of jean shorts, Amazon's like, we should make jean shorts, which ultimately drives the third party sellers value down. Um, so I guess my overall question is like, what do you do about monopolies? Um, and what, I guess what's your, you react to these guys, like what's your overall opinion about these large tech companies that seem to be, you know, that own the world at this point with, between Google, Facebook, Amazon, um, what was the other one?
1: Apple. Uh, Apple.
0: Yeah. Uh, What do do you think? What's your reaction to all that?
1: Well, so... The the Apple one was a curveball for me, okay. um, because if you travel outside the U.S., what, what there's the nowhere. One? I don't think I listed that one. Uh, well, just the idea that they would be a monopoly. Oh, okay, I'm not gotcha, sure. Gotcha. I'm not sure if that's what actually. I kind of lumped it into the same category. Maybe it's not. So hopefully I don't go too far. But I'll at least just make a side note. Okay. Um, I think that's like uh if if it if they are being charged with some kind of monopolizing in the same way as these other companies, um, then the you know the leaders in government suffer from like american exceptionalism because you go to other countries and apple isn't big right um, apple products are a lot cheaper here and much more uh, pervasive and competitive in the marketplace and in other countries that's like not a thing um, right apple is such an american thing i think in i think in east asia uh it's fairly big you, you can look at like the statistics and I've looked at them because I do like app development. Um, like I think in Japan it's really big, um, Mm -hmm. like iPhones. And I think in China it's grown a lot, but, um, you know, any kind of monopoly scenario is obviously looking at an American context from a government perspective. Um, but I don't think Apple is such the behemoth that these other ones are in terms of controlling everything. But, um, I, 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 so I look at the scenario in, Um, well, so the thing that stuck out to me, which is different than the points you've raised, we can come back to the points you've raised about monopolies in general, but, um, the fact that, so I read a couple different articles, the fact that their defense was that the, these are American companies and this is like a patriotic duty, Mm -hmm. um, and that they create American jobs and that it's also, so specifically, I think this is a Facebook argument um, that, that it's like a bulwark against China. Um, mm. And I actually have a lot of sympathy for that. Um, this is mm-hmm. I think the left is skating on thin ice in terms of um, not wanting like this I guess this is borderline conspiracy theory, but they are really abrasive to the idea that this is possible of like defending China against charges that, covid could have been created or the idea that like trump is being racist against china um i don't care about any of that because china is a shithole country like in terms of a in terms of trump language and he doesn't say that uh specifically but like china is a really bad place it stands totally against all ideas of like american freedom um and you know the this whole recent outcry about the way that the uyghurs are being treated like it's been going on forever and china's that political presence forever it's a really bad place i want to get into that
0: can can we can we can we put a um a footnote there because i do want to get to that i do want to talk to you about that and that may be an important because i don't I, i haven't we haven't touched on that subject yet on the podcast so that may be cool to inform the listeners about yeah um
1: so uh, if if so, I get my but my point there was that if Facebook's defense is that they're a bulwark against China, I'm actually a lot more on board with that and okay with some kind of monopoly scenario because the idea that China would control international media or control any kind of narrative and um, control. And hide their massive human rights abuses is really scary. And so I got a lot more sympathy on, on that regard. But I think in terms of the monopoly in relation to these companies, um, I think I think the monopoly argument is pretty hard to make.
0: All right. That is the end of part one of my conversation uh, with Bitcoin, Drew. Um, yeah, you can find more episodes of this podcast at weeklyregular.com or wherever you find your podcast. Uh, part two of this conversation will be continued in the next episode. And we talk a little bit more in depth about the economy for all you economy nerds out there and all you people who spend money and whatnot. Uh, the next half of this podcast is for you. So check it out. Uh thanks for all the continued support. Um, we will see you next week.